WBNE. Hello and welcome to episode 84, all about Return of the King, theatrical edition part six, being the 84th part of That's What I'm Talking About. My name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me MC. And today I'm joined by my friend Neil Metcalf here at the end of all things. Mm-hmm. Welcome back, Neil. Hi. Um, what episode is like my third, fourth, third episode that I've been on? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, third or fourth. I feel like one of the ones you were on was a, a two-parter. Yeah. I can't remember which though, but I have a feeling that happened at some point. It happened. It happened. But yeah, yeah a fun little we're here at the end of all things and sort of like towards the beginning a nice little in cap to talk about uh i think i think it was the tom bombadil one that i was on that we screamed about for forever and and now i'm back for the end of return of the king yes yeah oh shoot what was i gonna say I don't remember. That's fine. Um, I'm probably going to be, this episode is just going to be super scatterbrained, I feel like, because my attention, the day that I'm recording this is the day that I had a post uh, blow up, become a dumpster fire. I don't know. Absolute dumpster fire. (laughs) On Instagram of people being like, you, a woman, sharing your Your opinions about female representation? Blasphemy. Yeah, exactly. Oh my god, but but no, we're not gonna we're not gonna go down that rabbit hole. The patriarchy. Anyway, okay, we're here to talk about Return of the King. The last this is the shortest segment of any of the movies that I have covered because like obviously you know it's only it's twenty minutes, which is a long that's a long time considering the climax of the movie. You know, the climax of the movie happened. We still have another twenty minutes left. Yep. Yeah, but I mean, like, the book is the same way of having, yeah. like, the climate. Like, oh, they did it. They destroyed the ring. And then you're like, well, why am I still holding, like, 100 pages in my hands? <laughs> That's the best part of reading Return of the King. And the funniest part is even you get to the chapter called Many Partings, and there's still, <laughs> like, three more chapters after that one. Mm-hmm. And you're like, how is this even possible? And the craziest thing about, like, okay, there's 20 minutes left of this movie after the climax, that was them excluding a lot of stuff from the book, too. Mm-hmm. So, like, as long as this ending was, there was even more that was supposed to be in it, which is... We'll, we'll we'll definitely get into but um first neil why don't you tell me a bit about do you have uh like a, a memory or anything associated with when you first watched the movies um yeah actually i do i more so i think fellowship than i do specifically return of the king um because i remember in middle school going to like a friend's house for like sleepover kind of like one of those like i think i had to be like sixth grade or something very young where it was like oh one of the first times I was having like a sleepover like away with like this new friend that I had made his mom and him were talking about like asking if I'd ever seen Lord of the Rings and I hadn't um and so they they showed it to me the at least the first one that night and then I was like hooked ever since read read the books watched the movies watched the movies then read the books just because like it was hard I I started that that no no that's what normal people do Neil that's what everyone on the planet should do in fact is watch the movies first and then read the books if you want to because the books are insane (laughs) they are they are definitely insane 
but I really, I, 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 I don't know. I think that the movies did such for like there are parts that are obviously lacking, but like it did such an amazing job of just like creating the world concretely mm-hmm. in my head, and I think so many people's heads um, of just like what it, it looks like um, and how it functions and just the amount of detail the work that they put into it to make it be as like accurate to the notes that it was like Tolkien's vision and working with his son and the estate. Yeah, yeah. Um first I want to share uh some Academy Award facts about <laughs> the whole trilogy. Just what you were talking about how like the films I don't the 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 movies just overall are on such a different I mean of course, you know, it's it's harder 20, you know, 17 to 20 years later when it was like, oh, these came out in the early 2000s. Um, but mm-hmm. like at the time, they're just so monumental and like completely unheard of. Um, and they did such a good job of, yeah, like you were saying, like the the attention to detail and the world building and everything. Yeah. And that the fact that so much like the technology twice now when he when he's been made, when Peter Jackson has like made these movies and tried to create them as larger than life has had to like build the track under him as he's going like they basic uh there's a few like i want to say three other movies right before lord of the rings that ca- that used motion capture but like for Gollum, because it's andy circus andy circus yes mm-hmm. uh and like a mo- mocap suit doing all those movements they were like almost building and like for perfecting on to the motion capture that is like now widely used in so many films as you see like uh smog in the, in the next couple and the hobbits when they got better at it oh or man like let MCU. me tell you that video of um benedict cumberbatch doing smog in the in the mocap suit is um mm-hmm. a plus i love it mm-hmm. um and i love him so and then and then for the hobbits having to create a created a camera that like processes color and uh, better than like human sight can because it's so high definition and you'll notice it on um when you get to the hobbits and i i won't explain too far but like just twice now he's sort of the companies and the producing companies that that have made this film and working with peter jackson have not only created this like masterworks taking this masterwork and like turned it into an actual real tangible thing um they also were like creating and, and establishing the technology Mm-hmm. like so it, uh, it's mind-blowing on on so many beats but tell us about the it's it's awards <laughs> yeah yeah so granted i don't know how up to date all of this trivia is because there could have been many movies that have come out since that make this trivia false so i don't know just general bear, disclaimer there bear with us i suppose uh, <laughs> it has the highest perfect score at the academy awards with 11 wins out of 11 nominations it is tied with titanic and ben hur for most awarded films in oscar history oh i guess i should add I think this is for, I think this is specifically about Return of the King. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't sure if I had like taken trivia for like the trilogy as a whole, but anyway, so it won for best picture, best director, best adapted screenplay, best original score, best original song, best visual. I guess I don't have to say best every time. Um, (laughs) Best visual effects. I'm going to do it anyway. Best art direction, best costume design, best makeup. Best sound mixing. That one's debatable for me, though. Sound Like, how bad were the other movies that year for it to win best sound mixing? Because the amount of times I'm watching this movie and I'll be like, what did they say? And then I turn the volume up and then 
uh, orc screams at me. And screams I to... and, and you have to turn the volume back down. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, and best film editing. That's quite a lot. Um, and then I, I didn't write it down, but I think I remember reading somewhere else that like it's basically the only movie to get all of these kinds of awards and then not even be nominated for best acting. <laughs> Which I think checks out for Return of the King, considering there's not, like, one standout role. Yes, and there's some parts that are just, like, not said yeah. well. I was going to um, say, not it's... D- not done well. There's epic yeah. moments. But there are, like, some lines that are delivered that I'm like, we weren't going to do second takes? Okay, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. Oh, actually, um, I think that's a perfect transition into our, our discussion. Welcome to the final installation of Lord of the Rings Chaotic Movie Summaries. Here we go! Frodo wakes up in what appears to be heaven, but psych, he's alive, but he's actually in a waking nightmare of a reunion scene as he laughs in disturbing slow motion while his friends enter one by one, all of whom he remembers except Legolas. The screen fades to black as Sam looks fondly at his friend from the door, relieved that their adventure is over. Nope, the movie's still going, and we zoom over Minas Tirith at Aragorn's coronation, where we see firsthand the truth universally acknowledged that the dirtier Aragorn is, the better he looks. He's crowned king and surprises us all with a musical number that apparently summons the elves. Who's that? Hiding behind a banner? It's Arwen, who I definitely didn't forget existed. She's alive! And after lots of staring at each other, they make out and receive meager applause from the audience. The four hobbits greet their new king, but Aragorn says they bow to no one and a sea of people kneel to show their appreciation for all that Sam and Frodo have done. And then Merry and Pippin are just kind of there, but they love the attention nonetheless. Oh boy, I can't wait to see all the heartfelt goodbyes we get for our friends, especially Faramir and Eowyn, and nope, we go back to the Shire. The hobbits ride into town where it looks like nothing has been touched, and that's because it hasn't! It would be pretty pretty weird if they came home to find that the Shire had been corrupted by industrialization and turned into a rogue police state, leading to a hobbit uprising that ended with Saruman getting his throat cut. The hobbits sit in a pub, unnoticed by everyone around them, and silently toast to their traumatic experiences that no one will ever know about except them, and maybe a therapist. Years later, Frodo finishes writing their story in Bilbo's book, but is still haunted by his encounter with the Nazgul and Weathertop. The hobbits accompany Bilbo and Gandalf to sail away with the elves to the Grey Havens, and are heartbroken to discover that Frodo will be joining them, hoping to be able to find peace and rest at last. They say goodbye. I'm not crying. You're crying. Frodo passes the red book of their stories on to Sam and he sails off as the screen fades to white and the return of the king comes to an end. Are you kidding me? That wasn't the end? Sam returns home to his wife and children, able to fully give his attention to his family now that his boyfriend removed himself from the situation. He says, well, I'm back and they head inside their cozy little hobbit hole. The screen fades to black and says the end. And thus concludes the return of the king being the third part of the Lord of the Rings. Okay, that was it, right? Like it's actually over now? We pick up where Frodo and Sam have been rescued from the Eagles. We had a Peter Jackson fake out ending number two where it faded to white. And now Frodo is waking up. He looks like a choir boy Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. an altar boy. (laughs) And everything is like really hazy and it's white. And it's like, oh, is he in heaven? Like what's happening here? Ooh, The train station with Dumbledore. Honestly, yeah. And well, I mean, then speaking of Dumbledore... There Gandalf comes. is there. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it kind of has that that harking calls back to very much in the same way when he wakes up after he gets wounded in um yeah. at Weathertop. Gandalf is sitting there and the, and the chair smoking his pipe. Yeah. Just speaking of you were saying like there are a lot of line deliveries that you're like, really? Are we sure we don't want a second take? Are we talking about the way he said Gandalf's name? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I knew it. Gandalf. Gandalf, he like really like, pronounces the L, and, and 
And then they just laugh at each other in this weird blissful moment. Okay, I'm I'm not gonna go like too heavily into this because I was on this was like many months ago now. I was on Lord of the Rings Minute and they invited me on to analyze. They just gave me five it was after I had finished the books and they're like, Great, now we can have you on. We're like almost done with Return of the King. Here are the five minutes that you're gonna come on for. And it happened to be this like this scene and then a couple minutes of the coronation scene mm-hmm. and each of those episodes just we just discussed one minute one minute at a time and i think i like ranted about this scene for a good hour and a half to <laughs> this three minutes of this this terrible slow motion scene. reunion scene yeah and that's the other thing it's slow it's slow motion oh my god um and uh like, I appreciate the sentiment of it. I appreciate yeah, that. Exactly. It was not executed well. No, and they slowly all pop in. And then, and so my so my, oh my favorite God. thing, and we're, we're probably about to talk about the same thing, because it's it's something I that I, I, I talk to people all the time, is that he says everyone's name and is happy to see them. And then Legolas walks in and they <laughs> nod at each other. And then it moves right along. And, and he- it's like, <laughs> jump back and think about it. Legolas and Frodo like hardly interact the whole time. Actually, the only line that Legolas and Frodo like, it's not even an exchange. The only time that they speak to each other is Legolas saying, and my bow. My bow, and my bow. (laughs) You're not even, you're not even sure that Frodo knows his name. That part is just so much funnier if you think, if you come at it from a perspective of like, Frodo forgot Legolas's name because he's totally. he's made this commitment for him to be like yeah so I guess yeah so let me back yeah let me back up a bit um yeah Gandalf is standing there and apparently Peter Jackson I don't have this officially written down this is just like what I've heard so forgive me if this is wrong but apparently Peter Jackson gave them like very minimal directions for this scene and was just like act how you think your characters were at which I guess is like what the whole point of acting is acting is you, yeah, yeah gotcha but like improv improv not just yeah. like <laughs> and Ian McKellen was like oh well Gandalf in the book in the scene laughs so I'll laugh Gandalf la- Gandalf's laugh is fine. I'm fine with mm-hmm. that. It's Elijah Wood's laugh that just deeply unsettles me. Yeah, I'd agree with that. <laughs> it's not good, and we get a lot of Elijah Wood derp acting, as I've referred to it. They're they're laughing at each other. And it just lingers. It just, it just, it just goes on. The problem with the scene is it goes on forever. And that's actually, I'll insert my reaction here of the first time of me watching this scene. Wait, 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 wait. Doesn't it? It gets worse, right? Oh, it does. No. Everyone comes in. <laughs> oh my god! Like, why are they doing this in slow motion? It makes it worse. See, they look fine. Why did Elijah Wood make these choices? <laughs> I don't. I also don't like that Gandalf is just standing there laughing in slow motion. This is fair. Yes. Like there are a lot of choices made here. Because then, so then Mary and Pippin pop in, and they're in slow motion, but they don't look weird. I don't think they look very. They're they're just like smiling normally. Elijah Wood. I don't know what he's doing. And they jump on the bed and I'm like, hey, guys, your friend was like came back from the brink of death. Maybe don't like Mm -hmm. tackle him and wrestle him. Uh huh. (laughs) 
Gimli comes in. Gimli's entrance is so great, and it's just so Gimli because he walks in and he's like, "Ha ha!" Uh-huh. Um, Gimli. Yeah, we get the Gimli, and, and it's like so. It's almost slightly distorted because he's say it's all this weird like 0.5 speed filter over everything. It's like not really slow motion, but they definitely slowed it down. Oh my god, um, I I just like wanted to in a yeah. <laughs> um yeah then legolas comes in frodo's like his mind just blank no thoughts empty head and then our boy aragorn comes in i love my boy in the preview in the battle when he has the half pony mm-hmm. i like the half pony tail he's fine here and we'll discuss more of this for the coronation scene but he definitely has downgraded his looks now that he's clean and it's just so disappointing <laughs> to see <laughs> Aragorn got clean and now it's hmm. it's ruined. <laughs> I don't want oh. it anymore. <laughs> well, now hold on. Where's the where's the grime? <laughs> I His can hair feel is that. Too clean. So your thoughts on the song that he sings, where all the other music just cuts out, all the other dialogue cuts out, and he just like sings a song. We're here. We'll I we'll slow down. We'll, sl- yeah. we'll, we'll slow down and back up. Listeners can't see that I just like did a huge face palm because it's not you know no, I'm gonna save it till we get there. Yeah, and then as they're all oh also it's my little head cannon that in this scene we don't hear any sound. We don't hear any wind talking anyone talking, but we see that Mary and Pippin are having a very animated conversation as everyone just stands and watches just stares at them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Also, if you watch this scene, pay attention to Legolas standing at the foot of the bed because it looks like Orlando Bloom doesn't know what to do with his arms. Anyway, it's my headcanon that Merry and Pippin are at this point reenacting the battle of Pelennor Fields for Frodo. And they're like, because they're like launching each other across the bed, basically. Yeah. And then as they're all laughing and have a good time, Sam pokes his head in, also in a choir boy shirt. Who got a haircut. Who definitely he got a haircut? Got a, he did? If you look at his hair, maybe you're just supposed to interpret that he's clean now. But, like, he's got, like, a much more defined, like, like almost, like, Bing's mullet kind of look that is not like that earlier when his hair is all a mess. So it might just be washed out, but I always thought it looks like he got a little haircut. I noticed that his hair his hair is way more red in this scene, is what I noticed. Maybe he got a maybe he got a cut and a dye. He looks a lot yeah, good, yeah, just the nice uh I think they're maybe he went to the spa and treated himself, got got his hair yeah, cut. Yeah, Rivendell, I think is where they're no, I guess they're in Minas Tirith, technically. I don't know where they're they're somewhere. In the book they're I think in Athelion right now or something, but um I think right here, yeah, they're in Minas Tirith and yeah, they went and got some some haircuts done that's funny you mentioned the mullet because i noticed that frodo's hair in the last scene also has like a mullet look going on i don't know Mm -hmm. what it is about like their hair and these hobbits and their mullets yeah like i don't know i don't know what was going on with with the hair people that day but whatever so yeah sam Sam comes in and it's like oh sam get in there go hug your buddy and or lover i don't know we'll find out later maybe lover we don't know we get our second fade i think this one's a i can't remember if this is a fade to white or a fade to black but it's a definitely it's a fade out and it is our fade out it's our third fade out within like three or four minutes of this film (laughs) yeah yeah because like there's the fade out when Frodo's laying on the rock as all the lava's going. And then I think there's another fade out when the eagles pick him up. 
And then there's a fade out after this moment. Yeah, this is the one. Yeah, okay, I wrote down. Yeah, it was a fade to black. This is the this is one that I forgot about until I was watching it last night. Because I know I know there's there's one more towards the end mm-hmm. that nearly got me the first time I was watching it. I totally forgot about this fade to black, and I was like, "All right, Peter Jackson, let's um, Can let's like pick- ease off." Yeah, let's pick one here. <laughs> and we really don't. You don't need this fade to black either because it just you could have just cut to the because then then we go to it's a sweeping shot um up Minas Tirith for the coronation in a COVID world this scene terrifies me because there's so many people there it's just such a big crowd I know like that's so many people you can't do that (laughs) I have the same sort of like in anything just sort of like response to well that's not that's not six feet why where are their masks (laughs) (laughs) so we're all gonna be really messed up i mean not that yeah, we, we aren't not, mm-hmm. already messed up but um but yeah the 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 coronation scene i don't know i think it's perfunctory here's the it has there's a few moments that i do like i don't know it's more like it's necessary than i like it or it's a good scene you know like we need obviously this like this movie is freaking called the return of the king you have to see him yeah crowned. he's got to be coronated yeah plus i've always thought his crown was very pretty i liked the design of the crown um a That's lot so interesting you say that you don't like it because i can't stand Ar- aragorn this is so so yeah G- gandalf crowns him crowns aragorn Mm-hmm. And then says that whole thing about like now is the return of the king and is like you know like ah, ha, ha. no actually he doesn't say return of the king he said or, because, yeah coming is the day of the king or yeah so like that. so that's that's one of my gripes is that um they did the title drop in like the first thirty minutes of the movie and it was like Gandalf yelling at Denethor about like who oh, are you to yeah, deny exa- the return that, of the king it. and it kind of feels like they're just trying to get it out of the way mm-hmm. I would have so much preferred because Gandalf says now come the days of the king may they be blessed and I so wish he had said now comes the return of the king may mm-hmm. these days be blessed or you know whatever like it would have been so much better if he said return of the king in this moment here yeah I because I I even like sort of misremembered it as him saying return of the king there even though you're, you're totally right he does say it to denethor earlier in the movie it would have probably carried a little bit more weight because I, I i remember when they say fellowship and the fellowship movie when they it's like form the moment. fellowship yeah. yeah and elrond names them and then there's that dark moment where like they reveal in two towers um saruman's army that he's been building for sauron and he says like the union of the two towers yeah see that one i think is really like shoot we need to work in the phrase two towers somewhere <laughs> in this movie. And mm-hmm. at no point does anyone like actually talk about two towers. No, <laughs> like, it's just him naming it. Yeah, they're like, all right, just put it. I think it happens again. Like it, it's another like we got to we got to just get it out of the way make sure we don't forget about it. But anyway, yeah, so Gandalf is crowning him. And this is the worst Aragorn looks in the entire trilogy. <laughs> At least for me. Yeah, I don't really like his hair either. The way that the hair hair flows in this little section. And his beard is like, it's too full. Mm-hmm. Which I don't understand how, which like side note, how did his, how did we not see his beard ever get that full the entire rest of the trilogy? Oh, it's well, been... you see, he's always shaving it to just the dusty <laughs> just little. The, dub- the stubble. The, the stubble, the sexy stubble. 
like he's fighting for his life but when he wakes up in the morning he's going to shave it down to a sexy stubble that's just like that's just how he rolls in the middle of running after orcs for like three days straight he's like guys stop gotta shave i need to (laughs) gotta shave gotta maintain my my ranger look here yeah and i don't like the crown um (laughs) i do remember reading going back and reading the description of what the crown is in the book and in the book it's like even worse it's like all pearls and it has like wings that like go off the side basically it's like it's not a good look in the book either it is very i don't know ornate and befitting of a king maybe that's just why i don't like it because it doesn't look it's like that's aragorn he's not he's not a king he's strider yeah he he definitely has um risen to his moment and he's a, a different man um i think that's kind of the element that they're going for i mean you you called mm-hmm. it clean but like it's just i i think for what I, when i was focusing on the hair it's, it very looks very like wig like i think yeah when in in that moment when he's being coronated compared to the battle and the action scenes when it's a lot more like it's thinner and it, it's like less like somebody like blow dried his hair out it does I look guess. like he yeah it looks like he got a blowout yeah exactly so i don't know i i and you have that moment later when i guess like so you know it keeps going and he has his his his, this this is where i should have brought up the song but um because literally the audio cuts out there's no background music there's no background noise he sings us a song he sings so this is very I do, I do want to say real quick, though, that Aragorn, when he is getting crowned, he has this look that he gives Gandalf that, like, I don't know. It's just like, I'm so proud of my boy. Mm-hmm. He's, look at him. He's a king now. Look at, my, look at my son. He's a king. Look at my son. Pride is not the word I'm looking for. Yeah, exactly. He and he like he looks so proud of himself too. Yeah, and so th- I think the reason this song it caught me off guard a lot the first time I watched it. I mean, honestly, it catches me off guard every single time I watch it. Let's be honest. And I think that's because they don't in the movies they don't sing like mm-hmm. ever. So when suddenly it's like, why is Aragorn singing? <laughs> it makes no sense. But they sing all the damn time in the books, so you wouldn't question it, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it, it's. It's an interesting choice, I, I think, when we, we talk about sound mixing, just because it's so stark when he switches to the song. And then just like as quickly as the song comes, it also goes. It is, yeah. Then it's like back to normal. All, all done. <laughs> you also, you see. Oh, and there's um, two songs in this movie. I forgot there are two songs in this movie. Doesn't Pippin sing a song yeah, for Pippin Denethor? Sing, and again, I had this. I like that. I like that scene. That scene's way better. Because the sound mixing for that scene is really cool because you have like the interspersing of the horses and swords and like battle and Mm -hmm. then Pippin singing and Denethor eating grotesquely. Disgustingly. And like that, that scene's, that scene's great. But again, I had the same, I had like the same, not necessarily complaint, but like the same comment that it really took me off guard. Um, mm-hmm. The first time I saw it, because they don't sing in the movie, so it's just no. super random. They they cut they most of the songs they cut. Yeah, like right before, so right before Aragorn starts singing, he's like giving the speech, and everyone claps. And then as he starts singing, you can actually kind of see the reactions of some of the people in the crowd. They like stop clapping, and they kind of look like taken can, aback when he yeah. does start singing. <laughs> um, I also want to say before I forget that in. <laughs> 
in one of the crowd shots, I can see Air I can see Eowyn's sleeves. Because they're so big. Oh. Yeah. Her dress sleeves are always huge. And um mm-hmm. I could uh, there's like one crowd shot where I was like, Oh my god, I see Eowyn's sleeves. I didn't see her, I just is. saw her sleeves. There's her there's her sails. And catch the wind <laughs> and take flight. But I will use this opportunity to go into this week's segment of Is Vigo Mortensen actually a ranger? So, like Billy Boyd earlier in this movie, Vigo Mortensen composed the tune and sung the part to the song that Aragorn sings at his coronation. This part doesn't actually have to do with Vigo Mortensen. This is just about the song. The translation of the elvish words runs, Out of the great sea to the middle earth I am come. In this place I will abide in my heirs unto the ending world. This is, according to the book, the same verse Ellen Dill sang when he first arrived in middle earth from Numenor. And then also adding one more, is Fika Mortensen actually a ranger? Sort of kind of fact slash interpretation into the mix. So Vika Mortensen was not the first person, not the, or not the first actor considered for the role of Aragorn. And they had actually started filming with a different actor when Peter Jackson was like, no, we need, we need someone different. So they found Viggo Mortensen and he originally wasn't interested in accepting it. Eventually he did because his son convinced him to do so. And Casey Winters in our Discord actually pointed out that this is really fitting that Viggo Mortensen initially didn't want to accept the role because Aragorn also didn't want to accept Doesn't want to be the, king. the role as king. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I didn't I did not know that. It's yeah. very cool. I just think all of that's great. I believe this will conclude the last segment of Is Viggo Mortensen actually a ranger? What's the answer? The answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I still feel I, I I think there's I think I pretty much shared over the course of covering the movies every single fact that could possibly be connected to Viggo Mortensen and the filming of these movies. There might be like one or two that I missed. I know there was something about he there was a knife that was thrown at him in fellowship in the battle at the end that was actually a real knife and he flicks it away with his sword and that supposedly wasn't supposed to happen but they kept it in and then there's I don't know it's probably some random things but basically I have I I know everything there is to know about Viggo Mortensen filming Lord of the Rings yeah and I'm pretty I'm pretty proud of that fact you know There are worse. There are worse things to know a lot of. Yeah. So. So. Yeah. He. He sings us that song. And it summons and the elves. It summons the elves. And ooh, ooh, look who's hiding behind the banner. Look who's I just gonna. I hate that part. Look who's just gonna. Oh, just peek her head. Out. Oh, just peek I her head out so behind much. the banner. It's your love. It's yeah. Arwen. Oh my God, she's here. Peekaboo. <laughs> Legolas greets him and kind of like tilts his head backwards and Aragorn's like, what? <gasps> and I don't I don't know why they made this choice. Arwen like, is hiding behind a banner and then she like reveals herself behind from behind uh-huh. it. And Aragorn's like, what? Because, you know, at this point, remember, I should add, it's fresh on my mind considering I was yelled at for having opinions about female representation in Lord of the Rings. But it's important to remember that all Arwen has done in this movie is die. Die. All she's done is die <laughs> in her elf way. Yeah. So uh, so it's kind of like, oh, she's alive. She made it. And it's like a tool of, of Aragorn. Aragorn's um, mm-hmm. coronation for his ignore her and become the king. Also, she's gonna like if if you love her, she'll eventually die. It, it's all very weird. 
He's basically yeah. a bargaining chip for Aragorn. And and then ultimately his reward. Yay. It's problematic, let's say to, to the, the least, yes. I think. Yeah. And then they kiss. This is quite a kiss, though. Did I detect tongue? <laughs> Vigo so. Mortensen goes in full open mouth, uh-huh. and it looks like he goes in with the intention of tongue. I mean, <laughs> yeah, probably. He probably did. It's Liv Tyler and Vigo Mort- Mortensen, so I guess they got married right then. <laughs> yeah, was that what happened? Was that their marriage ceremony? I don't know. They, they He embraces her for a really long time. Gives her, for... gives her a little tongue. Does this weird thing where he puts his head on her shoulder. It looks, that part is weird. Cause like, it looks like he's going in for another kiss. And then she's like, no, we're just going to hug now. I don't, I don't know what's yeah, happening Yeah, it's a little there. weird. And so he just kind of like rests his head on her shoulder. After in, like, they a clavicle. kiss, there's like some like meager applause <laughs> in the background from the, from the crowd. Do we have to stay here watching this. Oh my God. So the scene, originally, they wanted Liv Tyler to shoot the kiss with Viggo Mortensen's double. And she was like, no, this is Arwen's like last moment in the movie. I can't do it with the double. So they brought Viggo back in. And she's, Liv Tyler said, I, and I quote, thank God. And I got to kiss Viggo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See? She gets it. She gets it. Yeah. So do they get married? I don't know. I mean, like can- canonically, yes. I I have to assume that that was Peter Jackson being was like. The doesn't it kind of look like a wedding? They got married because then he holds her hand and they like start to walk off together. Like she's yeah. the queen now. Yeah, and they go and greet the hobbits, which the boys. I made fun of when recording with Lord of the Rings minute. Were the hobbits able to see any of the coronation <laughs> ceremony? Because it's not until Aragorn. It's not until Aragorn and Arwen come over in their direction that everyone parts around them (laughs) and you don't see them. Gimli is standing up there for the ceremony so he can see everything where the hobbits just missed everything. They're just, can someone describe what's happening up there? Because it's like also a surprise to Aragorn that they're there. Oh, is it? Is that the implication? Maybe not. Maybe that's how I've always read it because he kind of like, they're like walking and they like round this bend and like, oh, they are the hobbits. And so then the hobbits look like kind of caught off guard and they do their little bow. And then he says then... that thing that like you bow to no one. And so then it's that Mulan moment where he it bows. It is very much a Mulan moment. Yeah. The whole coron- everyone assembled at the coronation bows. The the music swelling in this moment as Aragorn says, you bow to no one. Yeah, and everyone bows and it's like a, you know, a wave. And then the music swelling with the Shire music. It, no complaints here. My friends. You bow to no one.
I have no complaints here, which is rare for me. <laughs> I, I, I think it's a great moment. What I appreciate even more is that Sam and Frodo are in the middle and then Merry and Pippin are on this are on the ends like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I deserve yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. Pippin is like almost about to start waving. <laughs> oh god. Um and Frodo looks like his shocked and depressed self. Yeah, he just, yeah, he, he looks like he's just never going to be happy. Yeah, it is sad. So this is actually going to bring us to our first and only segment of, I don't think Vigo Mortensen is actually a ranger. Oh, no. <laughs> Plot twist. Because <laughs> uh, the last shot of principal photography was when the newly crowned Aragorn bows to the four hobbits. Although Vigo Mortensen did not need to be on set for that day, he nevertheless insisted on attending. He didn't have a crown it wasn't necessary since he wasn't being filmed so he fashioned one out of paper with each successive take the crown was becoming more ornate and sillier as crew members kept decorating it so the four actors playing the hobbits often had difficulty suppressing their giggles <laughs> and i love that moment of hearing about vika Mort. there's another moment coming up too later on hearing about vika mortensen just being very silly and it's very mm-hmm. un-aragorn but breaks, I love it. breaks the glass of that like regal nobility mm-hmm. that he, he has and then i think after after that moment after it swells and like rises up and you see all of Minas Tirith, you have our, our our next fade to white fade to black no i thought there was another one coming but it transitions to uh, an illustration of the map um oh, and yes. the, the map uh, the like camera sweeps over the map and I, I actually like I really like what they did here where it like goes over all of the locations that we visited but in reverse order. So like it shows Rohan and Edoras, Isengard, mm-hmm. it's the like Misty Mountains, Reversing Moria. their track yeah, back yeah. to the Shire. Which there is an entire chapter where they do this, which mm-hmm. is yeah called Mini Partings, where Many they parties. literally just go, they go on a farewell tour, like literally yeah. a farewell tour. So yeah, the four hobbits return to the Shire and they're all riding in on their ponies, looking very like important and official. They're nice little tunics. Yeah. They're, they're like, cloaks and, and their their little armor and their swords and their tunics and the marks of Gondor on everything. They're very Just official. Like, uh-huh. And this one hobbit is standing there looking at them like, ugh, kids these days. I know. <laughs> glares, at, glares at them. Yeah. This scene where they're returning to hobbits, they had issues shooting it and it was apparently like a bad day on set elijah wood had a hard time controlling his pony sean aston was allergic to it and dominic monahan was in a quote really bad mood because of technical <laughs> issues revolving around the scene and then it says billy Bo- billy boyd was quote in stitches during the shoot so i just like this imagery of like three out of the four hobbits are pissed off for one reason or another and billy boyd is just laughing at them being mad <laughs> um yeah they all come in and discover that the shire has been completely overthrown by saruman and corrupted and industrialized and they have to go into an oh wait wait no none of that happens actually none of that happens it it looks like the shire has been complete in fact it has been completely untouched completely untouched so on one hand i completely get why they left out scouring of the shire from the book it Mm -hmm. makes complete narrative sense because tolkien god bless him is terrible at narrative structure really Mm -hmm. because 
you come back from this huge journey and it's like, nope, we have one more adventure left in us. We're going to have a Hobbit uprising and we're going to defund the police. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and also like it, it, it detracts from both halves, right? So yeah. like, so pr- prior to this, Frodo and our Hobbit friends and our noble human have like, Frodo's defeated the ring. Um, Frodo Sam defeated the ring. The They all were great warriors on the battlefield. Gandalf pushed Aragorn to becoming the king. Aragorn accepted the crown. It's fantastic. And then, yeah, as you're saying, they go on their goodbye tour and they come home and, oh, look, even though you just defeated the granddaddy of all evil, there's still like the, the the military industrial complex that we need to like yeah. dismantle in the Shire. I think it was kind of a right call on Peter Jackson's yeah. part because you are kind of shown the scoring of the of the Shire in the Fellowship when Galadriel pours that the mirror mm-hmm. and and Frodo looks in and he sees what happens to the Shire if he were to fail. And so by painting it as like this will happen if you fail, there's like. I have to get this, not just for the sake of the world, which is kind of a hard thing to wrap your head around, but the idea of like- your It makes home. it personal. Yeah. But then he does this, the very thing Galadriel tells him he needs to do to prevent that. And in the book, it still happened. Yeah, that, no, that's, I, I, I completely agree with all that. I have no idea how Peter Jackson would have done the scouring of the Shire and made it not go on for another- the theatrical version is already almost- three and a half hours yeah just the 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 final cut yeah so you're already longer than end game at this Uh point (laughs) and then it's like okay and you're telling me we come back to the shire and there's still more story to tell that would be yeah it makes no again tolkien god bless him it makes no narrative sense from a thematical point though is where I, it kind of hurts me that the scouring of the Shire was left out because mm-hmm. it's really important thematically for the book because it's like this huge commentary about how like you can't just come back from this thing and expect everything to be all like neat and shiny and clean. And you have to realize that like things change while you've been gone for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you have to come home and you can't expect for things to be pure and untouched. You have to put in some hard work to make them better again when things have been ruined it's also that like i think that this the way that wickedness can can sort of spread and, and that greed is sort of like a a a dark uh a, like corrupting force that that is, is like a cancer that can then then spread throughout mm-hmm. a land because eisen or, or, or saruman from isengard like manipulates uh lotho one of the saxville bagginses um into like starting this whole process i forgot that's that's another entire thing that that so in theatrical edition you have no clue what happens to saruman um i have since i have spoiled myself uh in terms of extended edition and i know Mm -hmm. that you see some kind of death scene for Saruman at the beginning of the extended Mm -hmm. edition for Return of the King. In the book, you come back and you find out that Saruman has completely taken over the Shire and Wormtongue slits his throat and kills him. And then the rest of the hobbits kill Wormtongue. Yeah. And that's the other thing. The hobbits like just just kill him. Like hobbit archers just like shoot him with a whole bunch of arrows. Hobbits it's who are like all about good manners and like respectability and all these these sort of like hot, are suddenly like well that's fine I'll just shoot this man full of arrows like defend your land I totally get it but it 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 is like such a shift it's bonkers. such an but I, but I think you're right I I think 
it's unfortunate to me, I think especially to, to, to Frodo and the other four hobbits because they're like, you saved the day. Oh, here's your last scooping of trauma. Um, <laughs> Honestly. Here's your last dose real fast. Just like a quick kick in the teeth. And, and then and- like, what's what's really funny too about like the scouring of the Shire stuff is that it is that Merry and Pippin become the heroes in the Shire because they like step up and become like captains or whatever. Mm -hmm. And everyone's also like really impressed with them because they're tall because they drank the wash. They like grew a couple inches or Uh whatever. So everyone in the Shire afterwards is like, oh, Merry and Pippin, they're like our famous heroes. Sam and Frodo, who? What ring? They have no clue what happened. And that's what you see. What That's what happens in the movie when they come back to the Shire is it's been completely untouched. No one knows what happens. And like, I feel so sad for our friends here to be like, for them to just go back to normal without like any, not that they did it for the recognition or anything, but like the idea that no one understands like the sacrifice or even knows about the sacrifices that they made especially when there's that that scene in in the bar and that pub and they're getting the 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 drinks and that one hobbit is carrying that big pumpkin and and frodo bumps into him and he makes some sort of comment about like watch where you're going basically and it's just like so like it really sets that up how far removed Mm -hmm. um the shire is and peter jackson's version really makes it seem like the shire is almost untouchable um which i think is in in some ways a positive or 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 a strength just because they have a spot to come home to it hasn't been destroyed but at the same part tolkien's original canon makes it that like i was saying earlier wickedness spreads places Mm -hmm. aren't untouched obviously it was allegory for his views on like the industrialization yeah um of these like rural idyllic countrysides and, and it's just, it's so heartbreaking in the movie to watch that one hobbit just like bump into Frodo. And, like he's just it's a like, regular. That was the ring bearer. I know. Watch and, where and you're that, going. And that the high king of Gondor and Arnor, the like two major, major kingdoms of the world, say that he is beneath Frodo. And this other, this other hobbit just like bumps into him and he's like, hey. And they just like move on like it's nothing. Yeah. And so you can you can definitely, especially in Frodo, see it. It's like such a hard transition for him. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think it's like a hard transition of hero complex in any sort of way. Yeah. I think it, it's sort of like soldier returned from oh yeah, definitely. combat. And and knowing that Tolkien was a soldier that returned from combat, that's sort of like already written into his book. And then the the Jackson and and, and like Elijah Wood's performance really helped bring that out. Mm-hmm. And so all all four of the hobbits they they're sitting down with some with some ale. And they have a look around and they all kind of have this this silent exchange and acknowledgement between one another and then they all do a cheers. I don't know why, but that like gets me like it, it feels like a punch in the gut almost just the the clink of their glasses and just this silent acknowledgement of like, well, that happened. Yeah. <laughs> like that happened. What, especially, especially from Mary and Pippin's perspective from the movie, where they were just running from old farmer Maggot with at the beginning, yeah, yeah trying to like steal his crops, <laughs> and yeah, and that's how they got involved, you know. And so, oops, helped helped fight in a war. <laughs> yeah, what's that about? Mary helped slay the witch king. <laughs> yeah, 
Exactly. Uh, Pippin saved the steward, you know, new steward of Gondor from being burned alive by his and, father. And called the armies of Rohan to Gondor to save Minas Tirith from yeah, he like, lights the beacons. Trauma? What trauma? Yeah, what trauma? And then, you know, Frodo and Sam and the whole Mount Doom. Just crazy. Yeah, it's just like, just this, this, it's a really great moment of this, like, exchange, this look between all of them of like, all that's behind us now, and I guess this is back to our normal lives. Let's see what happens. And Sam sees Rosie Cotton. Mm-hmm. And uh, remember, listeners, that when he was about to die in Mount Doom, he had to remind us that he's straight. Yeah, because he's dying there with, with his lover. I mean, sorry, best friend. Yeah. You remember um, which, those best friend. By the way, I so I recorded, yeah, so I recorded that episode with Don and... We said, like, towards the beginning, we're like, oh, yeah, we'll get into that. But then we forgot to get into it. So I guess, like, we could talk about that, you know, now of, like, Sam and Frodo, lovers or platonic friends. And you know what? I'll give you my conclusion now, which is that I really love both interpretations because Mm -hmm. I think it's it's so important for there to be representations in media of men Loving their friends just to be nice. Having intimate connections with other men. Yeah. That that aren't sexual or romantic. Exactly, yeah. Like that's great. It would be, and, and Sean Astin has recently said that he thinks Frodo and Sam should have kissed at the end of Return of the King. That also would have been great, you know? I mean, if we're being honest, they do. Frodo does kiss him. On the forehead. That's I know, such it's a friendship. Sweet, it's, such, it's, such, that, it's friendship. But... It's such a sweet and tender moment, too, that I don't even, like, want to, like, make fun of it and be like, ooh. I'm not making love, fun you know? of it. I'm like, just I... saying it is a very tender moment. But if, I'm saying <sighs> that technically in canon, they, they, did, they, they kiss. did kiss. It's just I mean, a they, more like, friendship one. They kiss all over each other all the time. Like Sam was like kissing Frodo's hands. Always kissing. In the Always book. Kissing. So intimate. Sometimes you just fall in love with your gardener. <laughs> it just um, happens sometimes. It just happens sometimes. So Sam, yeah, Sam sees Rosie Cotton, takes a sip, takes yeah. a sip of the beer, some like liquid courage, and goes over and talks to Rosie. We get a laugh from Frodo that sounds like an actual laugh that I wish he had just done in the like waking up reunion scene <laughs> as opposed to whatever laugh he went with for that scene. Because he, because Mary Pippin and Frodo all look at each other and then Frodo laughs. And it sounds like a real laugh that Elijah Wood would do <laughs> yeah. as opposed to whatever gross fake nonsense he did in the reunion scene. And yeah, so we see, we see Rosie and Sam talk and then it, transitions to their wedding real quick real swift relationship i'm assuming time has passed but yeah whatever so when filming this scene Vigo mortensen and billy boyd were standing off camera during the wedding scene pretending to be wedding guests in order to help sean astin's performance and after sarah matt mcleod i don't know how to say the actress's last name who played McLeod. McLeod? Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that's how it's pronounced. Okay, McLeod. Okay, cool. After Sarah McLeod threw her bridal bouquet to Billy Boyd, Mortensen gave Billy a passionate kiss. And there is footage of this behind the scenes moment. And like, they, it's a long kiss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. I highly recommend watching it on YouTube because they go, Billy Boyd and Vika Mortensen are talking about how like they wanted to, like it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be Sam's wedding. And they wanted to like help Sean Astin have like genuine like happiness and laughter and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And so they did that. And then Billy Boyd is like, I saw stars. 
I felt a bit dirty afterwards. I couldn't look at him for a couple <laughs> days. And it's just so great. And I just love the cast so much. Yeah, they had a lot of fun. <laughs> a lot of fun together. I'm sure you've seen the, the thing where they all got like nine tattooed. Mm-hmm. I think in in um, Quinion on, on their body or like a yeah. symbol for it. For... And then supposedly Peter Jackson butted himself into this. Oh, the and got ten in Elvish, <laughs> <laughs> which I think is hilarious. That they were like, um, "You're not included in this," and he's like, "Watch me, watch me." <laughs> anyway, yeah. So Sam and Rosie get married. Frodo narrates. Ma- yeah. About pain and trauma having to go back yeah have it like how do you go back to your life when you don't want to live anymore basically yeah he's totally not wrong i don't mean to like belittle any yeah, sort no. of like like he's, he's not wrong he just like that's what he that's what he narrates about his his, his pain and his trauma uh, how do you move on mm-hmm. it's extremely valid and the <laughs> the way that he deals with his trauma is running away <laughs> And yeah. going to a different world. Going to a different um, world. <laughs> so we see him writing in a book and he closes it. And it's the same book that Bilbo wrote in for The Hobbit. And he closes the book. And I can't believe, I mean, maybe I'm sure there has to be. It's this like like red leather bound book. There has got to be a version of Lord of the Rings that looks that's bound like that. That's bound ba- that looks like that, you know? Yeah, like, I'm sure there is. There's bound to be a version like that cuz it I don't know, it's so I don't know. It's also like beautiful looking. It would be really expensive to buy now that I'm thinking about to- it. So. Totally, but that's definitely fine. beautiful. Yeah, the the red book, the red book of the West March. Yeah, the red book. And Sam comes in and Frodo's like wincing in pain. And he says it's been, I think he says it's and been four years. They have this old married couple like moment. It, it's very domestic. I know he's his gardener, but he comes domestic. in like he's You're like, right. it's almost like he walks in from work and he's like, honey, I'm home. And he's like, yeah. oh, my old war wound. And he's like, well, oh. We could technically assume that he is coming home because in the book, Frodo asks Rosie and Sam to move in with him. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> and they live together. It's it's like Turk, Carla, and JD in Scrubs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so we could assume that it is Sam coming home. I've read somewhere that you could techni- you can technically see that in one of the books or papers that he's holding that it mentions something about him being reelected to mayor. Uh-huh. I you can you can't see that at all. At least I can't. So I don't know who said that, but I'm not. I'm not. You mean in, like when Sam walks in and what he's carrying? Yeah. Yeah. I I've never been able to figure out what he's carrying. But it's just I mean, like books or something. I don't know. Yeah. I always thought it looked like mail. To be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> It does. It does a hundred percent. Then That's seem like he's it, bringing the mail yeah, in it, from it, outside. It really yeah. feels it's very domestic when he like comes in, and then he like he's like, "Oh, your old war wound is still bothering you," basically. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "I finished my book, dear." And he's like, "Good job." And they just like have this domestic moment. Yeah, and Frodo oh. says, "There's there's a little bit more room, Sam." And then just kind of leaves leaves it at that. Yeah. Then we we see Gandalf arrive with the carriage, and it's carrying Bilbo, old man Bilbo, old, old man Bilbo, old man Bilbo in the book is amazing because he's constantly he's just asleep the whole time, and then he mm-hmm. wakes up like halfway through, and he's like, 
Yeah. Uh-huh. And then what happened? And and they're like, okay, we know that you weren't actually just <laughs> listening, but we're going to pretend like we're going to pretend like you didn't just fall asleep for the sake of all of us. Yeah. Bilbo said, <laughs> so actually, okay, side note, my dumb brain, <laughs> a part of me was like, oh, I wish they had given um the role of old man Bilbo to Tolkien as a cameo. And then I was like, he was dead. Super dead. (laughs) (laughs) He was very dead at this point. It could have been fun if they gave it to Christopher Tolkien. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think he would have. I I think he would have been more middle-aged, but it would have been fun. Yeah, Um, yeah. because you can bear, I can't even, like, if you had told me that's not Ian Holm, I would be like, yeah, that makes sense, because it doesn't even look like Ian Holm, mm -hmm. so, but yeah, my brain was like, oh, I wish they had given that role to kind of like a Stan Lee cameo, (laughs) but instead it's J.R.R. Tolkien, uh, who's- Tolkien died in, like, the 70s. I know. Um. (laughs) Yeah, old man Bilbo asks if he could see the ring one last time. And Frodo, I wish he had done a, a look to the camera like he's on the office. I look. know. <laughs> I know. Can you believe uh, this guy? Can yeah. you believe this guy? You know, it's a little bit cute and funny because it's like, oh, he's old. He doesn't remember mm-hmm. that, like, the whole point of what happened is was to destroy the ring. Mm-hmm. And then Frodo just says, no, I lost it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> And then they have their own very nice intimate moment because he's like, oh, I would have liked to see it again. And then he like nestles into Frodo and Frodo like rests his head against him. It's it's very sweet, very, very lovely Mm -hmm. um, little moment. Yep. And they arrive at the harbor and they are waiting for them. The Grey Havens. The Grey Havens. And they're waiting for them are, nope, not Legolas. Um... (laughs) Elrond, the, the other elves, yeah, what are Elrond, they? Yeah. Galadriel, and Celeborn. Yeah, Celeborn, and there's the one dude who's just like in the background, um, <laughs> just random elf. Who whatever. I think is Syrian. I think that's how you pronounce. Or no, Sir Sir Dan Caradan. I was gonna say the, it would be with a if it if it's a, if it's C, with a C, it would it's be with a hard a like. So yeah. it's Caradan, Caradan. Sure. B-I-R-D-A-N, I think is who it is, who's in charge of the Grey Havens and then like helps elves who are who are heading to Valinor. Oh right, yes, yeah. That uh, yeah, that checks out. And Galadriel says, like, the reign of the three rings is over. This makes no sense in the movie because in in, in the book it there's descriptions of like cat is screaming at me. I don't know what she wants. Sorry to interrupt, but <laughs> no, the, okay. she is apt uh, here, here she comes. Trying to capture yeah, I was gonna say capture the Hello. Can you hear her? Hello. Oh! Hi. I'm including it. Hi. Oh, she's crawling in my lap now. Sorry That's to interrupt, fine. but we have a we have a, an audience member. Oh, hello. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Sorry, you were saying about the the three rings. Yeah, you get this description in the book that like Elrond is holding one ring, Galadriel's holding another, and then Gandalf has the third, mm-hmm. and that they're gonna take these rings and go into the West. And then I think the like last mention you even get of the three these like three rings are the prologue of Fellowship of the Ring when Galadriel is like in the beginning what you know whatever mm-hmm. she says mm-hmm. that's um, the only you know, time you, yeah that's the only time you get it you hear about the explanation three yeah but anyway the three rings are are over and now has come the dominion of men of men gross I get yeah. I get she means like the race of humans men, but, mm, but whatever. yeah but it's a, that male dominant language which is like we already had an issue with the male dominant language that the witch king's whole curse was was unbroken <laughs> was, because they used male dominant language yeah so like we already had an issue with this well i mean for 
those purposes, we were th- we should be thankful for the male-dominated language, you know? Because if that hadn't been the case, then the right. Witch King would have killed them all. Exactly. They you made know? it like, uh, no human can kill me, but then... Yeah, and then it just would have been Mary. Yeah, <laughs> then the just, Hobbit. The just Hobbit Mary. Just like, God, yeah. <laughs> Bilbo, Bilbo says, I think I'm quite ready for another adventure. And he's sort of like reinvigorated. I've always kind of noticed yeah. it when you, when you see... Even the way he kind of looks, there's not like, like, there's no like really editing, I guess, involved. He doesn't like transform, but I've always thought he he, he looks more awake, more with it, more mm-hmm. like almost youthful. And he like trots along onto the boat because he's so excited. Yeah. Um, and like, they definitely explain the the whole, especially in the Silmarillion, the whole three rings thing and, and what they mean. Um, but uh, since they're so, hi, my cat goes, there she goes. Um, <laughs> but since they're, they're so... It's a long, complicated story, and, I, and I'm not going to, like, fully go into it, but basically, like, Sauron didn't have a hand in making the elven rings, but, it's, like, he didn't actually make them. I thought you were going to say Sauron them. didn't have a hand. He doesn't have hands. <laughs> just doesn't um, have a hand. And I was like, well, he, how does he wear the ring? He basically helped the person and taught the person who made the elvish rings how to do them, so his one ring was still, like, influencing them, but it wasn't actually made by them, made by him. And so when his ring gets destroyed, the power that's in their rings fades. That's right. Yeah. So they like, as I I think I've explained it to you before, but the way that the elves have this sort of like naturally long lives and their souls like weigh on their bodies. Galadriel has literally existed since she's one of the first elves that woke up at the beginning. Like she's existed for a long time. And so part of it was like using the rings to like manifest greater power and she has like an innate magic but she's so powerful because of her ring and so mm-hmm. when her ring and elrond um no yes 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 it's elrond is that is how Caliborn? they have the telepathic conversation thing elrond and, and galadriel is because they both have a ring i'm pretty sure that's where her magic part of what her magic comes from is is in her ring okay. her ring is the ring of water which is why there's so much like running water everywhere that she is but when it's destroyed they um like suddenly just feel an immense weariness like their light is starting to fade from the world so they need to to travel to their original elf home to to be like just as she says diminish i will diminish and go into the west yeah yeah bilbo goes on and as i am like right now in this journey of the podcast of like i'm going to be reading the hobbit probably like i don't know two weeks from now like gonna be Mm -hmm. starting that i felt in my soul that i'm quite ready for another adventure Mm -hmm. it's just very wholesome and wonderful gandalf says like i'm gonna go too this is so you know so comes the end of our fellowship meanwhile Mm -hmm. boromir who died like five years ago is like hi i died did that not end our fellowship i've been dead (laughs) did the fellowship of the ring so y'all just continue calling yourself after I was dead. So I wasn't really important. Okay, great. Yeah. Okay, bye. Um, Do y'all even remember that I died? <laughs> when I watched this last night, it was the first time I actually cried at this scene. And at the end of Return of the King, mm-hmm. I don't like, I don't know why, you know, however many times I'd seen it before. It just never really, I don't know, got me. But like when Gandalf says, I will not say do not weep for not all tears are an evil. An evil? I was like, Gandalf, how did you know I was crying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, of course, when he says that, it just made me cry harder. That's fun. It's a very touching, a touching moment. Yeah. And then that's when Gandalf is like, well, Frodo, are you coming? It's time. And the other hobbits are like, what? You didn't tell me. In the book, it's very clear that Frodo is planning for this. Mm-hmm. In the movie, 
is Frodo also planning to leave or does it come across? Because I don't I don't really know. Or does it come across more like he gets there and realizes that like, oh, I'm also meant to go? No, I think he knew that he was going. I always interpreted him that sort of like surprise moment was that like Frodo knew or in my head, I felt like Frodo knew that at least Sam would have been able to talk him out of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like if he had told Sam and told his friends, they would have like, please stay with here with us, you know, all these things. And and so if he kind of like was going to go, but make it so they don't really have any choice, but to say goodbye and like accept it, yeah. then he was going to go because Frodo just doesn't really, it's so clear he doesn't have the light in him that like he did. Poor dude. Oh, I know. Man. And that like, it's just never going to be this the same for him. And so he and Bilbo get to go because they were the ring bearers of the mm-hmm. one ring and, and were instrumental in its defeat. I'd argue that Bilbo wasn't that very instrumental in its defeat. Well, he was also, I think the reason he was a ring bearer as well. Yeah, he found it. He, he, he bore the ring for like 70 it. years or something crazy like that. And I really do like how when they're talking about the rings and, and Gandalf's like holding his staff, you like see his ring like very prominent that you've not seen for most of the movies oh um, i totally missed that just like on on his his staff it's like a gold ring with like a ruby in it um oh, just like really making funny. you so that was the movie well that's funny though because I, I would say i would say that like oh that was clearly the you know costume people being like shire we forgot to give gandalf a ring quick give it to him in this last scene but this mm-hmm. was actually one of the first scenes that was shot i think this was this might have been Ian McKellen's first day on set I can't remember but it was like very close towards the beginning of the production schedule but that's funny that like I, don't, I, I remember nothing of Gandalf wearing mm-hmm. a ring at any point in the 12 hours of this of this franchise and then they get uh they get he gets on the boat well actually has the, the the loving goodbye I was gonna say we have to talk about about everyone sobbing relentlessly as they mm-hmm. all hug and he gives a very impassioned hug to to Sam. When you have the captions on, it just says sobbing. Sobbing. <laughs> I don't know why that made me laugh, but it did. Crying, sobbing. Yeah, and then Frodo, yeah, like we mentioned, gives him a kiss on the forehead. It's very, it's very tender and sweet, and mm-hmm. I just love all of their goodbyes. Unfortunately, this scene had to be shot three times because <laughs> the first try, Sean Astin, like in the middle of the day, they took a lunch break or whatever, and Sean Astin took off his costume and when he got back he forgot to put on his vest and there's actually a couple shots in the scene where you can see him and he doesn't have his yellow vest on Mm-hmm. So they had to go back and reshoot it, and they were all really mad at Sean Astin for this because it's a very like intense emotional intense scene, scene for all of them. So they had to reshoot it, and they were all mad at Sean Astin. <laughs> and then they had to shoot it again because they found out that there was some clip I saw that said it was out of focus, and then this fact says that the negatives were inadvertently exposed to light during processing, causing a white haze over the entire day's footage. Oh, God. So so then they had to go back for the third time and film this. I would be so exhausted. By that point, Frodo's not acting anymore. Yeah, this is such an emotionally heavy scene. And you have to like be crying. Yeah. Especially the other three hobbits have to be mm-hmm. like making themselves cry. Just crying for three days straight. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's really that's rough. Yeah, so rough. Yeah. What's also rough is so Frodo get he goes and gets on the boat. At this point, I'm crying. And then I'll tell We're you, there's crying. nothing there's nothing to stop you from crying like that zoom in on Frodo's face. 
Do you know what shot I'm talking about where he turns back and smiles at them? Mm-hmm. And it lingers on him. It's meant to be a nice moment of Frodo show of like showing that Frodo is ready to move on and and feel better and whole again and heal. But instead, it's just this moment, this very long moment of Frodo smiling. Mm-hmm. You just get those Elijah Wood eyes. Those Elijah Wood eyes as he continues to smile at them and the boat moves at like the speed of sound into the horizon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is like, <laughs> it is the boat is slowly leaving and then all of a sudden it's like at the horizon. It's being operated by elves. Yeah, that's you know? true. And we get, yeah, beautiful, peaceful music, a lovely fade to white the end. yeah so so watching the movie for the first time i knew that return of the king had this reputation for having a lot of like quote False unquote endings. endings yeah this one came and i was like oh okay like that was a really good way to end this trilogy that was really nice and peaceful and and then it fades up and you're like oh oh no no oh there's more oh okay <laughs> there's more <laughs> that one got me <laughs> that one got me <laughs> And we have Sam coming back home, and we have a bit of voiceover from Frodo. But it's see, I know the context of what he's saying based on what happens in the book, but I'm sure mm-hmm. it feels very random for people who have never read the book to like mm-hmm. know what Frodo's talking about. But in the book, Sam and Frodo talk. Sam talks about like I'm sort of in love with you, but I'm also married to my wife and we have a child and I feel like I'm constantly torn between the two of you, you know, my wife mm-hmm. and my lover. But My wife and my lover. <laughs> Frodo says that like you deserve to not be torn in two no longer and you should be whole again. And so he kind of makes this decision for Sam that he's going to remove himself from the equation and go off to, to the undying lands. Which is actually a very interesting um, to in cap it, a similar decision Bilbo makes for Frodo at the beginning of the series. He's like, it's time for Frodo to be his own thing separate from me. I'm going to go off to Rivendell and give Frodo the house. And that's basically what he does for Sam. It sort of like calls back to to yeah. Bilbo's. And, I mean, Bilbo doesn't get on a boat and leave Frodo for forever. <laughs> but it is a similar sort of like, it's time for you to exist separate from me. Mm-hmm. And have your life yeah, outside of my. Me, so. I was about to say like, oh, my part of the story is over. I think Frodo. Frodo actually says like, Sam, your story still has a lot. You know, there's still a lot for your story to happen. You know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh shoot, I f- I don't know if I mentioned or not. It as they're saying goodbye, Frodo out of nowhere pulls the giant red book. <laughs> Like he just had it oh, in his back yeah, pocket. Oh, yeah, and it gives it to Sam and is <laughs> he like... Gives it, he gives it to Sam. It's and, great. And, and, and finally is like, remember when I weirdly hinted that there were a few pages at the end? Yeah, that was for you to add on. You to, to finish something. the story, yeah. Sam comes Ugh. back. There's still the rest of his story to be told. And his wife comes out and out comes some little babies. Little baby hobbits. Um, the little girl who in the book we know is named Eleanor was played by Sean Astin's daughter, and the baby was played by Sarah McLeod's daughter. So I thought that, oh, and she, technically the baby is Rosie and Sam's son named Frodo. Yeah, and so I, I like that because Peter Jackson put his kids in cameos in all of the movies. Mm-hmm. So I like that Peter Jackson himself. was like, you know what, just bring your kids. Let's just not hire any actors, <laughs> any yeah. child actors for this, you know, one scene. Just bring your kids. Just It'll put be your cute. Kids in there. Yeah. Sam says, Well, I'm back. 
which is the last sentence and words of Return of the King and the Lord of the Rings. And they go into the Hobbit hole and we get a zoom in on the on the door and then a fade to black. And, and then we the get an one. official the, the end. end. And then a really lovely song by Annie Lennox at the end. Yeah. The movie was originally going to end with a voiceover epilogue by Galadriel detailing the fate of the Fellowship after the events of the movie. Okay, I love this. I love this because of what it implies. Scenes showing Gimli and Legolas for this purpose had been shot, but were not used in any version of the finished movie. So that means technically there's somewhere footage of Legolas and Gimli sailing off into the sunset as Legolas sneaks yes, Gimli into the, into the Undying Lands. <laughs> yes, yes. I was going to bring this up when you were talking about if Frodo and, and Sam are lovers. And I'll take it or leave it. Like, I, I love them as friends. I love them as lovers. It, it's it's fine either way. I will only accept the reading that Gimli and Legolas are lovers. Are lovers. Because that's true. Like, Legolas Ooh. overcomes his prejudice of dwarves because how much he loves Gimli and sneaks the only dwarf ever into the Undying Lands because he loves him that much. He breaks, like, the, the biggest tenant of all time. Yeah. And, and takes him to the god realm, basically, and says, you get to live here with me be- forever because I love you. Elrond was like, I'm not parting from my daughter because she wants to stay with a mortal. And meanwhile, mm-hmm. Legolas is like, come on, dwarf. Come on. Let's go. <laughs> come on, I love you. I'm in, I'm, I'm, I'm in love with you. <laughs> love you so much. And then just one more one more note at the end of, of this movie, which is that somehow... Liv Tyler's agent was able to swing it so that she is billed third in this movie because when you watch the credits, it goes Elijah Wood, Ian McKellen, Liv Tyler, uh-huh. followed by v- like the movie is called Return of the King, and, and Viggo Mortensen or like comes fish. after Liv Tyler. Like, yeah, major props to Liv Tyler's agent for uh-huh. swinging that one. She's in this movie for maybe five minutes and she's <laughs> dying for all of it. <laughs> she's dying for majority of the time. Yeah. I will say something that I, I think this is fitting and this might be one of the last few things I, I share before um, the ending of this one, but that uh, the elves of, of Lord of the Rings, I think I explained it to you, but when they sail to the um, Undying Lands, they're actually flat earthers right yeah it's long and complicated and there's a lot of names and i don't remember all the details but basically in the second age with the numenor who is what aragorn is descended from that realm of people these these very powerful humans who are also descended of like the first humans who came um at the awakening they want uh, immortality and think that the gods withheld immortality from them and gave it to the elves and are very distrustful of, start to become distrustful of the Valar. And Sauron is working as like basically a, a spy at this time and, and doing these sort of like manipulating them under his like pulling the strings to try and get them to turn on the Valar. And so he, he's like, if you go to the lands of Valinor, you can take immortality for yourself. So they amass this huge army and attack. But before they get there, Elendil and Isildur, they they don't believe in all of this. So they fracture off and head to Middle Earth. And that's how that's how Aragorn's like line of people gets to Middle Earth. Oh, okay. um, but the the main host heads to Valinor and is, is prepared to attack them. And they're the god who creates everything literally like comes down and floods their armies and destroys them then floods their entire island that um, had the Numenor and 
breaks the world in half and shapes it into a sphere so that middle earth is like an actual planet it's round because it used to be a flat surface Mm -hmm. just like existing and then there was the void on the edges and so he bends it into like a sphere and the only people that are able to travel to the true west across the sea in a straight line are the elves Anyone else would just circle back around to the other side of Middle Earth. <laughs> like like what actually happened to Christopher Columbus. Where mm-hmm. <laughs> it's wild to think that like they cause okay, because when I'm what I'm imagining with the elves and, and going to Valinor and everything, what actually happens to them is what Christopher Columbus thought was gonna happen, which is that they were gonna sail their ship and then just fall off the fall edge off. of the earth and then land on the other side. Uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so so it's it's locked out of elves. And, or for anyone who's not elves, if they just so that's why like Gimli gets to go because Legolas is the Legolas one piloting the yeah. ship, which is like so <laughs> weird. Uh, like I I just have I love this mental image of like Frodo is like just talking to the 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 captain or, or whoever is like sailing the ship, and he's like, so where are we going? And he's like, oh, to Valinor. It's to the west. And he's like, um, no, it's not. There's a whole ocean, and then there's the other side of Middle Earth. And and he's like, "What are you talking about?" And they like look at maps, and Frodo pulls out a globe, and he's like, "There is, there is no other continent." (laughs) He's like, "No, the world's flat." No, it's It's not. not? No. (laughs) So yeah, the the elves, Tolkien's elves, are flat earthers. Yeah, that's why Legolas elf elf eyes are so good because he can just see. Yeah, he just see his world is like flat or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's so weird. <laughs> yeah, that's that's all amazing. Yeah, that's Lord of the Rings. That's the that's the movie and and and, and the whole story. I know and... that's the yeah that's the the end of Return of the King. That is the you, end. How do you feel, of Lord you... of the Rings? Well, I feel I feel like I still have a bit of a cop out because next week I will be covering the extended edition of Return of the King, mm-hmm. um, and we'll be talking about the extended edition scenes only and what happens in those scenes. Do we feel like it added to the movie if it had been mm-hmm. kept in? Was there like, oh, I get why they took this out. It's because if they had kept this in, it would have dragged on forever. Which is actually the reason for why the majority of extended edition scenes are cut out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Even though I appreciate them, but whatever. But yeah, it's feeling crazy. And what's what's really fun, though, is that I get to I get to go back to square one with not knowing anything because Mm -hmm. I know nothing about The Hobbit. All I know is that Bilbo eventually steals the ring from Gollum. Yeah. That's all I know. And Gandalf is in there at some point. I'm excited to hang out with Bilbo because I so enjoyed the first chapter of Fellowship of the Ring where it's his birthday party and he's giving the speech and you read his will, which is basically him just like backhanded complimenting everyone involved and is like, Lobelia, since you always wanted to steal my spoons, here are here my are spoons, spoons or whatever. Yeah. So I'm, exci- I'm excited to, to do all of that. It's it's nuts. Um, I want to I want to share. This was a the final numbers of Lord of the Rings, and it's so cool, and it shows the scale of this production. So I think it's appropriate to to share here at the end of all things. Listeners, take a drink every time I say here at the end of all. At things. the end of all things. Over six million feet of film was shot during production. Forty eight thousand swords, axes, shields, and makeup prosthetics. Twenty thousand six hundred and two background actors. Nineteen hundred costumes. Wait, no, 19,000 costumes made by the wardrobe department, 
2,400 behind-the-scenes crew members, 1,600 pairs of prosthetic hobbit feet, 250 horses used in one scene. I, th- I believe that was <laughs> I believe that Pelinar was the fields. charge. Yeah, the charge into Pelinar Fields. 180 computer visual effects artists, 114 total speaking roles, 100 real locations in New Zealand used for backdrops, 50 tailors, cobblers, designers, and others in the wardrobe department, 30 actors and actresses trained to speak fictional dialects and languages, and seven total years of development for all three movies yeah it's quite the undertaking yeah that that peter jackson was able to um and all of them uh, his bringing this together this this massive world i really honest to god wonder what tolkien would have thought of the movies yeah um i've always kind of wondered what his his sort of viewpoint would be like obviously the the estate granted peter jackson and, and like the production company the rights to do the movie but i wonder what tolkien would have thought what, what he would have like hated what he would have thought they like really nailed we'll never really get that i know but, but i mean i know that his son has some criticisms but ultimately enjoyed them ultimately enjoyed what i think i think but yeah i've always wondered what he would have thought yeah not that I can speak for Tolkien, obviously, mm-hmm. but I mean, uh, yeah. I feel I feel similar to like what you said about how about what Christopher Tolkien has said or or his impression of the movies, which is that like you know I have criticisms of the movies, definitely. However, they're extremely well created and well structured and like well crafted movies. When you look at just the the density of the source material is. Daunt, like it had to have been daunting and so i think peter, peter jackson and the writers and the costumers and howard shore with the music did just a, a great job adapting the movies yeah that feels so final <laughs> i think so too is a very final moment yeah i was like wow it feels like i need to be like okay and that's the end of this podcast bye <laughs> But it's not the end of this podcast. I keep joking about like, oh, here at the end of all things. It's not the end of all things. Like I mentioned earlier, I'll be doing the extended edition next week. And then after that, I start reading The Hobbit. And then I do The Hobbit movies. And then there's a bunch of random things that I'll still have to cover after that. Like, did you know, listeners, there's a Soviet TV adaptation of The Hobbit filmed in 1985 made by Mother Russia that I will have to watch it is also an actually this is interesting and, and ties in but um there is a, a sort of like pastiche uh almost like fractured fairy tale alternate alternate retelling of lord of the rings called the last ring bear in 1999 that was uh, uh, by russian author kirill eskov um but basically like re interprets the whole the whole lord of the rings but like from mordor's point of view and 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 uh, has this sort of like history is told by the victors kind of like motif through it um there's a very interesting like retelling of the whole thing that sounds wild it is wild they <laughs> only just recently released an english translation so i've never read it but i'd love to at some oh, point geez. i'm trying to think of there was like some it's a very like bad b movie like the full movie you can find for free on YouTube is like how like bad it is that like no one cares about putting it mm-hmm. behind a paywall anywhere. And it's literally just like a it's not a parody of Lord of the Rings, but it's just like a bad unofficial remake of it where it's like four kids are going on on an adventure and the story that they start telling is 
Lord of the Rings, basically, but they're not actually telling Lord of the Rings. Mm. Part of me wants to cover that, even though it looks terrible, but I also like terrible movies <laughs> sometimes. I don't know. Point being is that there's still there's still plenty to cover, whether it's like a Tolkien book or a parody or who knows, but the road goes ever on and on, you know? Yes, yes. Neil, thank you so much for coming on and joining me here at the end of all things. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that should be your your episode title. Um, Just here at the end of all things. That's it. Um, What would you like to share with our audience? I don't really have like a a Twitter, but you can find me at um, Neil underscore before underscore God. Haha. At uh, on Instagram, if you want, uh, I share a lot of things to my stories. I a lot of plant information and social justice kind of things. Plants and social justice, love to see yeah. it. That's what I'm talking about. Is a proud member of WBE. You can learn more about the network by going to WBE.org. This week, I'm excited to announce that one of our new shows that will be joining the network is Perspective Z. Have you ever wondered what Gen Z was thinking while half the generation was eating Tide Pods? Or what those gosh darn kids are up to these days? Well, then you should check out our podcast, Perspective Z, hosted by me, Rachel. And me, Katrina. We discuss pop culture, politics, and everything in between, and give you our perspective as two Gen Z ladies trying to figure out our place in the world. Listen along to hear our thoughts and opinions as we gear up for college and beyond. So make sure to check out new episodes of Perspective Z every Monday on the WBNE network at WBNE.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Now on Spotify. Toodles! The cover is by Graphite, aka Vaishan Brandon. You can support him on Instagram at graphite.vmb. And if you haven't already been following him, this is a great month to go ahead and do that because Vaishan is doing a really cool project for Black History Month where he features a different Black person in history every day. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Tolkien About Pod, and you can also join the Facebook group that is linked in the description. You can find me on Twitter at MCWhatsUp and Instagram at MCTurnDownForWhat. You can support the podcast by becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com slash TolkienAboutPod to explore different perks and tiers, such as the sponsor tier. And this week's sponsor is a new sponsor. It's Adele. Adele, thank you so much for becoming a patron and supporter of That's What I'm Talking About. I also had a great time hanging out with you for the restricted section PowerPoint party last week. It was lots of fun. So thank you for your support. And as always, if you like what you're listening to, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. And before we go, I have one more super exciting announcement. This is something I'm I'm just so thrilled that's happening. WBNE will be participating in the Project for Awesome live stream. If you've never heard of it before, the Project for Awesome was started by John and Hank Green, the vlog brothers on YouTube for people who are, you know, OG internet people. The Project for Awesome is a community-driven charity fundraiser and includes a 48-hour live stream. And all of the funds raised go to support community-selected charities. You can learn more by going to projectforawesome.com. So WBE will be participating in the live stream on February 13th at 3 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So depending on how you view it, this will either be super late Friday night or very, very early Saturday morning. Tyler and Ethan from Bacon and Eggs and Jordan Balky from Late to the Party will be the ones actually on the stream because we were limited in how many people could join in. And they will be doing a game of Jeopardy with punishments for every wrong answer. And the punishments will get worse every time a certain amount of money is donated. And the rest of us wb folks will be there in the live chat. So please join in for the fun. 
And I'm just super excited about it because I've always participated in the Project for Awesome in some way, whether I was just watching it or I was donating or I was buying perks. It's an awesome, amazing cause. And I'm just so excited that we get to be a part of it. Thank you so much for having me. All, all three of these episodes have been, or, or sessions have been a lot of fun. Sort of the beginning, talking to you when you had like no idea really where this no was idea. going or, or, or much about it. And then having like now towards the end, you're a, a change of opinion um, or even just like eye-opening about how uh, the scale of the story, I think. So it's yeah. been a lot of fun. So thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. Do you have any uh, final parting words for the audience? Um, I don't really know. I, I guess uh, we should, I don't know, be kind to each other. Black Lives Matter, that's important. I believed in that. Um, defund, defund the police. Yeah. Woo! Let's, uh... And that's what I'm talking about. <laughs>